Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Welcome back to A Day of Prayer. Thank you for being with us today, and we're just blessed to be in the presence of the Lord because He's always faithful to us, and He's a good God. So we're just going to take a moment and open up in prayer, and then we're just going to get back into the Word. Father, we honor you. We bless your name, Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for who you are. We honor you for being the I am that I am. We thank you for opening our ears and our hearts and the hearts of the minds of the people around us and the people listening to this podcast today, Lord. We thank you for speaking to them. Minister your word to them, Holy Spirit. Keep them close to your heart and close to your bosom, Lord God. Let your thoughts be their thoughts and your ways become their ways, Lord. And for all of us, Jesus, minister your help to us, Holy Spirit. Minister your peace and your grace and your anointing, Lord, to all of us. In your name, Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done, and we just praise you, Lord, for being who you are. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to pick up exactly where we left off from part one of obedience to the Lord is faith in action, or obedience is faith in action, the actual title of the message. But that's the, the statement that we left off with, obedience to the Lord is faith in action. And we were just looking at, at Moses, or, or what the Lord said to Moses, especially in Deuteronomy thirty-two fifty-one. 51. He was saying, Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel, at the waters of Mirabah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. We can see, we can, the Lord will make it plain that obedience is faith in action. And what's required of us? Because if we look at Moses... Moses was an individual that clearly the Lord cared very much about, as he does with all of us. Absolutely. But it says, he very plainly said to Moses, the Lord very plainly said to Moses, I will raise up a prophet like you from amongst the people, like Moses. So clearly, there was something about Moses, about his walk. But there was, of course, yes, their relationship. But of course, there, yes, he was human. And again, not that that is an excuse. Mm-hmm. We are to be the standard for us as total obedience in every area and aspect of our life to whatever the Lord asks us to do. And we can see that because of Jesus being our pattern example. But let's also look at, all, I would say, the legacy he left behind, for lack of a better way to phrase it, what he taught his disciples and how they conducted themselves. If we look at Acts 5, 17 through 42, we can see that the disciples are standing before the high council. But the obedience they have to the Lord is incredible. In this section of scripture, they are preaching the the word as the the Father commanded them to. Mm -hmm. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, they are imprisoned. The Lord works a miracle and has them released. And then they are found doing the exact same thing they were arrested for and are arrested again. And now they're standing before the the high council. The high priest again. Exactly. So we'll pick up on verses 27. It says, When they had brought them, that is the disciples, 
they stood before the, the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in his name, in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So as we look at that, even in the midst of trials, persecution, imprisonment that they had just experienced for the kingdom of heaven, just like we saw with Jesus in John 4, with the woman at the well, they pressed on in the instructions that they had received from the Lord, Mm -hmm. doing exactly what they had been commanded, Mm -hmm. what the Lord had put on their heart to do. And it's not just that. There's, there's countless examples. We can look at the parable of the woman and the unjust judge. Now, at first glance, this is a parable about pressing on in prayer. Right? Most, most Bibles are going to be titled something to that exact phrase. And that is good. Pressing on in prayer is a must in the life of a Christian or a believer. Mm-hmm. But there is more. So the parable of the, the woman and the unjust judge is that she was continually going to him, looking for justice. And the Lord makes this, this statement, starting in verse 7. He says, Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith upon the earth? And when we look at that, it is is very interesting. When he ends in verse 8, saying he will bring about justice for them quickly, Jesus is saying, yes, this is a given. And and if we read scripture, we know that this is, is already set in motion since the beginning. The Lord called it, called the end from the beginning, saying this is what's going to happen. But then it's almost like he changes the topic at the very end of the very last sentence. However, when the Son of Man comes or returns, will he find faith upon the earth? Mm-hmm. As we were just talking, what is obedience? Obedience is faith in action. Mm-hmm. Faith is a total trust and dependence upon the Lord in every area and aspect of life. But obedience demonstrates that we have faith in love, in him, in his word, in what he has told us that he will do. And that means we also have corresponding actions, which is our obedience. Absolutely. James calls it faith without works. Faith without works is dead. Right. So that means you believe in your heart, but you also have the corresponding actions. We believe God is who he says he is. Therefore, we obey what he asks us to do. That's our corresponding action is our our obedience. Absolutely, but it's not just about what we do. It's not just about reading the scripture and saying, oh, well, 
scripture says we got to do this and this and this and and because then that returns it to a bunch of laws and rules and bondage and bondage Mm -hmm. but again the law was meant to teach us obedience how to walk with the lord exactly how to walk with him everything that we say that we do and even where we go should be directed by the lord and he does that by his Holy Spirit. You notice back when the disciples were standing before the high priest, the very end of those section of scriptures, the Holy Spirit who was given to them out of that relationship, out of coming into relationship with the, G- the Lord Jesus Christ, they received the infilling and, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he then guided them on what to say, what to do, where to go, etc etc throughout the affairs of life and so that's what the lord is saying when his holy spirit comes when he speaks to you listen to him because he's telling you what the lord wants done in the moment he's telling you where to go what to do what to say and not only do we obey the written word of god we obey the spoken word the holy spirit absolutely what he is saying to you whether it's face to face he spoke with Moses, whether it's in a dream, whether it's in a vision, whether it's something you sense in your heart, or any other way that the Lord chooses to connect and, and tell you. And minister to you. Sure. And minister to you. Mm-hmm. That is what we are to be obedient to. Mm-hmm. And we see, I'll give you three examples, if you will. Three three people, three, three beings that are examples for the life that we are to follow, the pattern example. And the first, of course, being Jesus. John 8, 42 says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he, that is the father, sent me. In John 12, 49 through 50, Jesus says, I did not speak on my own initiative, but the father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And how did the Father tell him? He told him through his Holy Spirit. And it's very interesting. Uh, I'm reminded of, of a saying that Smith Wigglesworth used to have, which was that we need to minister the Holy Spirit. Because if we minister the Spirit, we are ministering life. And if we are not ministering the Spirit, if it's coming out of our flesh, even though we say the right things, or what sounds good, mm-hmm. even though it's, it may be Scripture, if it is coming out of our flesh, then we are ministering death. Absolutely. Amen. This, so the second example is the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 through 14. But when He... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. Amen. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. So I want to, I want to go back and touch on that for a moment, what you just said, John, was that in the 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 saying, the saying that Smith Wilkesworth had when he was on the earth. If you say that again for me. So he was saying that we need to minister, well, he would say the Holy Ghost, the right. Holy Spirit. 
because ministering the Holy Spirit is giving life. Absolutely. So when you take a scripture out of context, you, you mentioned even using a scripture wrongly is death to someone. Yes, it's the written word of God, but it's twisted. When it's not the right word that applies to that situation coming from the Holy Spirit, then that now becomes something that's not the appropriate tool for that person at the time. So even if I give you a scripture, but it's not what God is saying to you right now, I'm still not blessing you because exactly. that's not the right tool for the job. That's not the right word for where you are, for what you need to solve the problem. When the Holy Spirit knows, and we notice here in John 16, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He doesn't misdirect us or misguide us. You know, it reminds me of when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. Satan came with the scripture. He came with a couple of scriptures, yes. but they were wrong. Yes, the word says that, but he was misusing and manipulating and twisting the way that he was trying to serve them to Jesus to get him to act in a way that was unbecoming, that was in violation of the word of God, the written word of God. That's, again, why Jesus responded with the truth, the accurate usage of the scriptures. So that's, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit and kind of give a little more explanation oh, on that statement. That's, yes, thank you. That was great. But we also see here in verse 14, it says, The Holy Spirit, he will glorify me because what? He takes of what is from the Father mm-hmm. and discloses it to us. Amen. We are told to give a word, be ready to give a word in season. Mm-hmm. It's not giving a word that, well, I think this is a good idea. Absolutely. Right? Because again, that's ministering out of the flesh, which is death. And that takes us back to what Saul did. This seems like a good idea to me, exactly. but it's not what God said or what he's saying at the moment for you in the time and season. Right. Sure. And, and everything we know that everything Jesus did was to glorify his Father. Again, that was Amen. his driving force. Amen. was to be pleasing to the Father. Now, these couple examples that we've just given you, it's easy to say, well, well, that was that's God, that's Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. It's different for them than it is for us. But no, it's, it's not. What does it say? John 7, 17, If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. And we can see clearly that it is a pattern and example for us. <laughs> Jesus, we know, is the pattern and example for us. Absolutely. But it's also the Father's expectation for each of us Absolutely. to apply to our lives, saying what the Father says to say, doing what the Father says to do, how he says to do it. Absolutely. And that was exactly how Jesus lived out his life, having that mindset that's what we are to do, have the mindset which was in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. The Bible calls our Lord Jesus the firstborn among many brethren, meaning the, the eldest sibling, the eldest child, the eldest. If you grew up in a family with multiple children or you um, had multiple children, you know the oldest is the example or the younger ones. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we see that, you know, nature carrying out that very sentiment that, the oldest is the example. So Jesus, we are joint heir with him. He is our example. That means we are to strive to be like him. We are his body. My body doesn't look like someone else. It looks like my body. So we are to be just as he patterned us, just as the example is, we are to make ourselves look like him. Exactly. So in, in the short version is, this, this applies to us. And we can also see that in scripture. We'll see it in the example of Moses, right? 
if we go to, if you turn to Exodus 34, we see in the first half of that that Moses is allowed to see the Lord's glory. Mm-hmm. But then the second half of that chapter, Moses is going in and out of the tent of meeting, speaking with the Lord, speaking with the people. And he has to put on the veil because, or when he comes out of the presence of the Lord and speaks to the people because they were afraid, his face shone. But in Exodus 34, 34, something very interesting is said, which also goes to this pattern example for us and how it applies to our lives. It says, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out, he spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded. Mm. He didn't paraphrase. He didn't put his own spin on it. He spoke exactly what the Lord told him to give them Mm -hmm. for their life, for their well-being, to teach them, to guide them, to equip them, and train them in the way they should go into a full, complete relationship with the Lord, which is what the Lord wants for every one of us. This was obedience, and this obedience to the Lord that we also see in Jesus only comes as a result of love. And as as we read, if you've got a chance to catch up on our on the post on our, our blog, our, our one about standing and being able to stand in the Lord, it really comes down to growing our love and how much we actually love the Lord. Because that will be demonstrated by our reciprocation, our obedience to the Lord. And this is exactly what Jesus prayed for in John 17 in the high priestly prayer. If we look at verse 13, it says, But now I come to you, And these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. What were the first scriptures on part one? We talked about the food to eat that the disciples, later to be apostles, did not know about. And he very plainly states that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. That was his, as we stated, his driving force, his joy. And he says to have that joy made full in themselves, in his disciples, which is ultimately us as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ. Amen. Not about sacrifices, not about the law. No. It's about obedience. But then he also talks to the love aspect in John 17, verse 25. He says, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, Yet I have known you, and these have known you that you sent me. Verse 26. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in, may them. Be in them and I in them. As we mentioned in that, that post about standing, about growing our love for Christ, we can only stand if we are reciprocating God's love towards us. God is love. He's given it to us. Love must be reciprocated. And it's shown by our obedience. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And 1 John repeats that and adds to it that his commandments are not burdensome. 
And Jesus told us that himself. He said, you know, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So the commandment is the same as being obedient. If you love God, you'll show him that by keeping the words that he speaks to you. And, you know, it's something that's not labor intensive. It's you have to control yourself, sure. But the I'll say it's easier than suffering all the weight and the penalties of sin, for sure. But the more you grow and develop your love for him, the easier it is for you to keep his commandments because you'll desire to do it. And he is telling us in these last scriptures that he wants to take away what looks like a natural version of joy and replace that, fill us up with that desire to do the will of the Heavenly Father, which Jesus desires to do the will of the Heavenly Father and as well as the Holy Spirit. And we become unified with them in that one direction and that one goal. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of unity, and people are talking about unifying on their own goals in the earth, but we're designed to unify with the Heavenly Father, unify with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to do the will of the Father, So that way his plan, his kingdom can come in the earth. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we carry out those things that are pleasing to him. And ultimately that will lead us and guide us back to our heavenly abode and our place with him in eternity. Absolutely. It's easy to be obedient to the Lord if we trust him. Absolutely. And we can't trust him unless we truly, genuinely love him absolutely when we are doing that when we love him we can trust him and then it's easy to be obedient to him now i want to say this we have to get to this place it is imperative for the the body of christ to live out life in this way Mm. in this time and season so if that's not how we have been conducting our our lives, ourselves. I will say that we must first repent. Mm -hmm. Our Father is loving and gracious and merciful and forgiving. He will forgive us for our disobedience. 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Of all our sins, of all unrighteousness. And cleanse us. And cleanse us so that we will be white as snow. We must first come repenting. And after that, to get, to begin this walking in this way, start asking the Lord for his input in everything. And you may ask, did you say everything? Mm -hmm. I sure did. Absolutely. Everything. No matter how big or small you think it is. Lord, which way should I take on the drive to work? What should I eat this morning? Mm-hmm. What should I buy? What, whatever it is, give him a say. And I'll say it this way. Invite him. Invite him to offer his opinion. Welcome him in Amen. to have say in every aspect of your life. Yeah. He's a gentleman. What does scripture say? I stand at the door and knock. He's not just going to come barging in. He's waiting for you to allow him to have the say in your life. Him being your God and you being his son or daughter, his people. Mm -hmm. 
through Christ. Now, if our life is currently set up in such a way that we don't allow him, or he, he can't talk to us about the things in our life, because we've already formulated a plan, we have, you know, we say in the natural, I've got a better way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he probably isn't or won't talk to you or about those things anymore. He stopped talking. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to him being a gentleman. If we don't want his input, his say in our lives, he's not obligated to give it. And he won't override your will if you've already decided and determined that he's not welcomed on that particular topic. Even if you don't mean it um, maliciously, it's still a choice that you are allowed and able to make, and God won't override that. But he does knock. He does ask and wait for you to welcome him in. And if you've hardened your heart long enough, then... Go back to the first thing, repent. Absolutely. Um, Repent and come back inviting him in. So when we make that correction with him, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us again. And for some, some it's the case that they have not obeyed the first thing that God said to them. And it feels like I'm not hearing, God's not talking to me anymore. The Holy Spirit is always speaking, but you have positioned yourself outside of his voice and not being obedient. So my, my pastor, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, used to always say, God is not obligated to repeat himself, meaning he does because he loves you and he's kind and gracious. But when he's already given you instructions or a command, I, I, for example, I go to this job, and you go, no, I don't want to go over there, then he's not going to continue to talk to you about that. I mean, he'll knock for a while, but once you harden yourself and set yourself against being obedient to that, He's not going to override your will. And you you might find yourself feeling like God's not talking to me anymore. Well, what's happened is that you've made it in such a, you made it such a case that you don't want to hear his voice on certain things because you didn't obey him. If you love him, keep his commandments. You know, he's trustworthy. You'll be safe in his hands. On your own, you have to deal with the repercussions, but in in him and when his his commandments, you're safe. Be obedient. So, How do you fix that? Repent. (laughs) Repent. Come back into alignment with him and how he is leading and wants to lead your life. It's for your your good and for his glory. Yes. And then obey. That's the last the last thing we want to leave (laughs) you with. Start to obey him. Yes. Even in the little things. Absolutely. The the quote unquote little things that we don't think matters, right? Don't tell him no. Trust. And and I say trust, his trust in us must be developed, right? He says we are to be, we must be found faithful. All right, a lot of times we approach this with, well, I'll be faithful in the big things. You can, Lord, you can trust me with the big things. Well, how is it, how is he supposed to get us to the big things if we can't be found faithful or obedient Mm -hmm. in the little things? Yeah. So don't sit and wait for the big things to come along. Begin in the little. Absolutely. Be found faithful with few so that we can be trusted with much. Absolutely. That is the the start. It's just the start. How to begin walking in complete and total obedience to everything that he says. And then eventually we will be, if we continue in this, conformed to the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. Living out, having the same mindset that was in Christ. Complete and total obedience and submission 
to our Lord and our Father. And we'll begin to find that our ears are fine-tuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the more we obey Him, the easier it becomes, the quicker we are to respond. The more we hear the 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 clarity that He is speaking to us with. Of the directions and the instructions. Jesus was given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, without measure, because... He had learned obedience and was found faithful in all things. He could be trusted. With everything. He didn't have his own agendas. He did not disobey the Lord. He never hardened his heart. He didn't, even when he had a choice and his his emotions were speaking very loudly, he still said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He said, Lord, I know there's another plan. I mean, like we could do this. There's another. (laughs) But not my will. We're going to do it your way. We're going to do your will. Exactly what you are telling me and describe to me on how this must be done. Yes, indeed. Amen. 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 (laughs) Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.